0: Today is from Luke chapter 11 verses 1 through 13. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins For we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed.
1: When we were on the mission field um, as a family, uh, one of the things that we had to learn to do was to haggle, Um, and the haggle was a game that every market stall owner would play with us. They'd set the price for whatever it was, local fruit, local veg, um, or a craft, or a sarong, or rosary beads, or a DVD, whatever it was. They would set it absurdly high, then in my head I would be going, how much? Are you asking? And uh, then we'd say to them a much lower offer, and then they do their thing, and then, then we do our thing, and bap, 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 bap. this is how it went on for however long it took, and uh, eventually after ping-pong match of offer and counter-offer, uh, we'd end up the price that we were willing to pay and that they were willing to sell at. And I'm sure that if I pushed, they would have sold it at a lower price. Uh, but I find haggling exhausting and I'm not really good at it. Wendy is much more successful um, at this. And so at the end of our haggle game, uh, I would walk away smug that i pushed down the price a couple of cents uh but then i'm sure that they were extremely happy that they walked away with a price way higher than they would have been willing to sell at if i'd have just carried on and uh you know and so uh we i say this because um i believe that we also haggle with the lord you know uh you know that Many times, week in, week out, we haggle with him. Uh, We feel that maybe God is saying something to us, uh, usually challenging us about something um, in our lives. Our conscience is pricked uh, or troubled. And all of a sudden, when that happens, for me anyway, I feel like I'm back in a Southeast Asian market. Okay, in front of me... I see a table, and on the table is that thing um, that represents my obedience. And it usually involves either starting something new or stopping doing something that I, I am doing. And as I look at that thing on the table, uh, I feel that God has set the price way too high. Um, and so I'm trying to haggle him down to what I'm willing to pay. I say, God, well, how about I don't totally stop whatever you're asking me to stop but how about i do it less and i'll throw in a little bit of extra prayer and would that be enough right and i feel god saying to me no this is the price this is the asking price and so we go back and forth back and forth uh, like a ping-pong game and uh and we're stuck Because we feel like God's not willing to lower his asking price and we're not willing to raise the price that we're wanting to pay. He wants my obedience. He wants my whole life. That's what I feel. And I'm wanting him to do stuff and to answer prayer and to do miracles. And so the price goes up and down. And it really is a question of who's able to hold out longest at the haggling table. And have a guess, who has infinite patience? Not me. Okay? And, uh, but but when we feel like God is asking us too much at the haggling, you know, at the haggle table, we we think in our mind, even we say it verbally, how much have you just asked me for, God? How much have you just asked me to give? How much is this act of obedience actually going to cost me? How much is the price of a clean conscience? Are you kidding me that that's how much it is? How much do I owe you for what you've already done for me? Um, and... Even though we ask this many, many times, there's a problem with the question, how much? And the, uh, and the problem with the question of how much is that it reduces our relationship with God to a contract or to an arrangement or to an agreement. It reduces our relationship to a haggle. Let's uh, look at Luke chapter 11, verse 5 says this. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked, and my children and I are in bed, like I often ask you to do. Try to picture what this looks like, okay? I can't get up and, 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 Luke says that instead of God, or or instead of us asking God, how much are you asking me to give? Instead, we see God saying to us, us, how much more am I willing to give to you? So this haggle with God has now been replaced by the open handedness of God. And in Luke 11, both of the pictures here um, are driving home the same point. Okay, if a frustrated friend is willing, you know, to get up at night and to give you the fresh bread that they baked that day. And in those days, there were no preservatives. There was no refrigeration. So you baked what you needed and then you ate what you baked. So if they were willing to give you that day's bread because you had the shameless audacity to wake up their entire family at night and they just want you out of their hair so that they can get their screaming kid back to sleep again, then how much more will your father in heaven give you what you need? And the second picture is this, is that if you as a rubbish dad, hands up any rubbish dads here? <laughs> no, enough not to give your child uh, the poisonous lake eel when they've asked for a fish. Hey son, do you want... S- Some lovely fish and chips. Hey, Dad, that's not a fish. That's a snake. right? If you know not to do that, then how much more will your Father in Heaven give you what you need? There is no need to haggle. This is a haggle-free zone. I was recently at Silver Lake and uh over at the docks and there were some people getting onto their paddle boards and this massive lake snake came up from you know the bottom of the lake this is it you can't see how long it was but it must have been that long like it was this big it was this big right and uh, and it nearly got onto one of the paddle boards that had a person on it and so they you know they kicked and it went away Now, later that night, we uh, went into the dining hall because it's walking tacos. And everyone loves walking tacos. And, you know, everyone's excited for it. And we're talking about it. And we're imagining what it's like. And then I reach the serving area uh, of the dining room. And the kitchen staff plunk part of the lake snake on my tray in a Doritos packet. It was the snake I saw earlier. Only that didn't happen. Of course it didn't happen. Why? Why doesn't it happen? Because that's an absurd image. It's, it's ludicrous. Of course, dads and serving staff at the Wesleyan camps know not to give their kids a snake when they've asked for a fish or a scorpion when they've asked for an egg. I'll have the hungry farmer, please. Or would you like your scorpion over easy or poached? or sunny side up, right, there's this Mr. Bean episode, I think it's a Christmas special, and Mr. Bean has run out of Twiglets, okay, you don't know what they are, but I know what they are, and they are yummy, now, there, there are, there are UK, hands up if you've ever had a Twiglet. Sharon's had a Twiglet. Anyone else had a Twiglet? Maya's had a Twiglet. Okay, well, what a Twiglet is, is kind of like, it's a crisp or a chip that's long and it's kind of got a marmite flavor to it. Okay, which, okay, I realize that maybe this example is going to fall flat because either you've not tried Marmite or you have tried Marmite and you might be one of the people that hate it. Um, But the whole idea of the Twiglet is that it is yummy, it is good, you eat it and you enjoy it and it just feels good as it goes down into your tummy. But Mr. Bean has run out of Twiglets. But he knows that, you know, the guests are coming. I don't think they end up coming. It's one of these sad episodes where uh, I think he just has a party by himself. But as far as he's concerned, you know, the guests are coming. And so what he does is I think he opens the window. He pulls in a branch and he cuts up the branch. OK, have you seen that? Anyone seen that episode? And then and then what he does is he grabs, you know, the jar of marmite and he gets the twigs, the sticks, and he dips them in marmite and puts them nicely on a plate and the whole idea of this is that it is idiotic because no one's going to walk into the party going thank you mr bean this tastes good whether or not you like a real twiglet or not for sure you're going to hate a twig which is covered in marmite and so only someone like Mr. Bean would give you a twiglet or a twig smothered in marmite. And God is not Mr. Bean. Everyone say that together. God is not Mr. Bean. Okay, if that's the takeaway, I should have called it this. Action required. God is not Mr. Bean. Okay, and so God, he doesn't give you a snake. He doesn't give you a scorpion. He doesn't give you a stick covered in marmite. He doesn't give you a triangular piece of cardboard covered in cheese sourcing. Have a Dorito. Okay, that's not what he's like. God only ever gives the real deal. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with what? Every spiritual blessing in Christ. How much more will your Father in heaven give you? How much more? When when Jesus says this, when he says how much more, he's inviting you to imagine, to start fantasizing how much more God will give you. Let's back up a few verses to verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place when he had finished. One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. So, the disciples at this moment, they're asking Jesus to pray. You know, they're saying to him, hey, Rabbi, um, you know, John has taught all of his folks how to pray. Maybe it might be a nice idea if you teach us how to pray. And uh, maybe this morning you see God as the one who hands out scorpions and hands out snakes. Okay. But in this prayer, Jesus actually tells us what we can expect from our heavenly father. Is he the one from whom we should expect scorpions and snakes or perhaps is he more. And so this prayer kind of is like Cole's notes, you know, to God. It's God's linked in profile. And Jesus starts by saying to us or showing us that God is our Father, not the kind of Father who gives a snake instead of a fish, but a Father who gives good things. He then tells us some things that uh, we we might say to Father God. Um, we might tell him, you know, that His name is holy, which is Dad. I respect you. We might say to Him, "Your kingdom come," which is saying, "May Your influence expand here on earth, and may my friends come to know You as Father as well." He then says, "Would you give?" us each day our daily bread not like an angry nighttime neighbor who throws you know the bread out of the window because they're so sick and tired of you but as a dad or a mum who knows just how you like your marmite spread on that hot toast okay that's the image here and it has to be thin don't put marmite too thick it's got to be thin and then Jesus says that you can ask your father yet yeah, to forgive your sins, that you could be cleansed and new and fresh. And, and our father also, he empowers us uh, so that uh, we can let go of the bitterness which we hold you know, towards others. And like any good father, Father God will not lead you into temptation. Oh, you know, here's a naughty thing. Why don't you... You know, come over here and see what's over here. God will never do that. And so, you know, if if we're standing in the kitchen of God, God's kitchen is a no-snake and a no-scorpion zone. In fact, as we heard a couple of weeks ago um, in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, that God gives us the authority to not eat snakes and scorpions, but to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all of the power of the enemy. He says nothing will harm you, so we don't eat the snakes and the scorpions, we squish them under our feet. That's the kingdom that God is creating. And then he says, however, do not rejoice that the spirit to you, but rejoice that that your names are written in heaven. And so, in other words, in this prayer, Jesus is encouraging us to approach God as a Father who loves us, who's worthy of our respect, who provides, and who looks after us, who protects us, who will never give us marmite-covered twigs. He is the God of how much more. He's the God whose, whose generosity we can never measure, and, the, and if we were to try to measure it, we'd never come to the end of it. There's this uh, songwriter, you know, um, after whom our church is named. Um, So there's John Wesley, there's Charles Wesley. John was the preacher. Charles was the hymn writer. And Charles Wesley wrote this line. He said, in vain the firstborn seraph tries to sound the depth of love divine. And the image here is of a ship's crew lowering down a weight at the end of a rope, Uh, to try to figure out how deep the water is. That's what sounding the depths means. But when it comes to God and his love, we we can lower that rope, we can lower that rope, we can lower that rope, we can lower that rope. But eventually we need to let go of the rope and let that weight fall away because we will never touch the ocean floor of God's love. It's never ending. The Marianas Trench has nothing on God's love. Ephesians 3, 17 says this, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How can you know a love that surpasses knowledge? No idea. No idea. I have no idea. But this here, this, this um, knowing this love that surpasses knowledge, this is a picture of the God of how much more. And so it's in the context of God's how much more, and it's in the context of who God shows him to be um, in Luke's version of the Lord's prayer that we're encouraged to keep on going in prayer and to persist in prayer, to not give up. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. No one wants to ask a grumpy dad. My kids know when to ask me stuff and when to leave me the heck alone. Okay? No one wants to seek out a grumpy dad. No one wants to knock on the door of a grumpy dad to ask him a favor. But what if, if, if that father was, was the kind of father who gave good things, who always had a smile on his face? In other words, not a dad like me. A dad who met your daily needs and who forgave you and who empowered you uh, to let go of the bitterness in your life. And who never led you into temptation and whose voice and opinion you could always trust. Can you see that this sort of dad is the kind of dad who loves to be asked He loves to be sought out. He loves to have his door knocked on so that he can be interrupted. That when you show up outside his room and you knock on his door, you have his full attention. Isn't this the kind of dad that it might be a joy to actually pray to? And that's why Jesus' words are so important. He says, so I say to you, ask and seek and knock, which means in view of all that I've just said, ask and seek and knock. And when you know that God is for you and loves spending time with you and loves surprising you with good gifts, uh, you never have to ask with fear or nervousness. You never have to seek with uncertainty, not knowing what's around the corner. And you never have to knock, not knowing what kind of a day God has had, because God's always having a good day, a great day. And so it's because God is this kind of a father that we're called into the joy of persisting in prayer. You see, in English... Uh, it says, "Ask, seek, and knock," but the Greek actually says, "Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking," and and this kind of tells us that our prayers won't necessarily be answered right away. It might take days, or weeks, or months, or years, but Jesus says, "Keep on asking." because God is a God of how much more keep on seeking why because God is a God of how much more keep on knocking because God is a God of how much more now if you're like me maybe you then ask the question well if God is ready to answer our prayers and if he's a good God then why doesn't he answer our prayers right away simply this have you heard some of your prayers have you heard some of your prayers from when you were younger? When you were a child? When you were a teenager? When you were depressed? When you were angry? Can you imagine if God gave you what you asked for every single time, regardless of the day that you'd had, or your maturity level, or even your mental state? A good father knows when to and when not to give what their child is asking for so if i'm really depressed and i'm saying to god would you take my life like the prophet elijah god will say no and if i'm angry and i pray that god would smite so and so there's a good chance that god's gonna say no to that prayer you know and if i'm being tempted and i'm asking god you know to turn a blind eye then god's gonna say no you see so much of what appears to be a fish or an egg in that moment is actually a snake or a scorpion. And sometimes we don't know the difference between a snake and a fish and a scorpion and an egg. Sometimes a snake looks like a fish, especially when you're a child, and so we want that snake. And sometimes a scorpion when it's all balled up, it can actually look like an egg. Especially if you're a child, and so we want the bad thing, thinking it's a good thing. But God, our Father, knows much better, and as his word says, he will not give us a snake or a scorpion, but he will give us bread. And that's why in the Lord's Prayer, one of the key phrases is this, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Because we're returning to a place, when we say this, of trusting that God knows best, that he's the wisest, that he will give us exactly what we need. And so we might scream like a kid having a tantrum for our sweeties and our candies like a child in the grocery store, right? I, I want this, I want this, I want this. And and everyone else doesn't know where to look. You know, should I get involved? Should I keep on walking? You know, and everyone's like studiously ignoring this. Well, that's what we're like sometimes. But God knows when to say no and when not to give into our hissy fits or our wobblies. And so here's the thing. Whenever God says no, you can be sure that he has something so much more wonderful to you, uh, m- much more wonderful for you. Like um, last week, right? Martha said, um, or yeah, Jesus said to Martha, "Martha, Martha, you are worried about and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her." So, and and if you remember last week, Mary had chosen to sit in the context you know, of a disciple at the feet of Jesus. And when we do this, when we sit in the context, in the posture of a disciple at Jesus' feet, we get what we want. We get God himself. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is telling us here that the Father, Jesus is telling us that the Father gives the Spirit, right? That's what we're reading here. Or another way to put this is that God is telling us that God will give us God. Because who is the Holy Spirit other than the third person of the Trinity? And what does the Holy Spirit do? This is where it gets exciting. When we, when we, um, when we ask in faith and we receive This how much more. This is what we are receiving. We are receiving a spirit who assures us that we're God's children. Galatians 4 verse 6. Because you are his sons. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba Father. We also receive The Spirit who assures us that God loves us, Romans 5 verse 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And the Spirit assures us that Christ lives in us. 1 John 4 verse 13, which isn't there, says this, this is that how we know that we live in him and he is in us, he has given us of his Spirit. So so the Spirit assures us that Christ lives in us us and the spirit also gives us joy acts 13 52 and the disciples were filled with joy and with the holy spirit and the spirit is evidence that we are in god's kingdom that we're in god's family romans 14 verse 17 for the kingdom of god is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit the spirit is our freedom now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the Spirit is the first installment of the believer's inheritance in God's kingdom. Ephesians 1.13, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the, the, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And friends, these verses that I've just gone through there are just the tip of the iceberg. But what I want us to understand this morning is that when we have a verse like Luke 11, verse 3, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What we're seeing is the Trinity at work. And when the Trinity is at work, you can be sure that God has your best interests at heart. Amen. You can be sure that God is not meeting you at the haggling table. You can be sure that God is not sneaking uh, snakes and scorpions into your lunchbox. But the God is a God who gives himself and who invites you to keep on asking and to keep on searching and to keep on knocking. And the reason why we should keep on doing all that stuff is because God loves, you know, to give. And if you keep on asking, he promises you will receive. And if you keep on searching, he promises you will find. And if you keep on knocking, he promises the door will be opened to you because God is a God who loves to give himself. Jesus tells us that the Father gives the Holy Spirit. God is a God who loves to give himself and he's a God who loves answering shamelessly audacious prayers because God is a God of how much more?